0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 126. Today I will be talking about two best friends and what happened when one turned on the other. My sources for today's episode are an episode of I Killed My BFF, season one, episode three, titled Frat Brother Homicide, WashingtonPost.com, AkronBeaconJournal.com, and Clevescene.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Ed and Butch were college buddies. Ed was the son of a political family. Butch was a working class kid with a burning ambition. If uh, you're spending that much time with somebody, you either become really close or you hate each other. We made a pledge to be brothers but after four years of friendship it all fell to pieces. One of us was dead and the other was covering up a murder. Roger Butch Pratt and his best friend Ed Swiger grew up in different towns in Pennsylvania. Ed came from an affluent family. Ed was the oldest child of six. He became a bodybuilder and kickboxer. And when he was growing up, his dad made him work after school at his furniture store. Ed's dad was also a local politician, which increased Ed's interest in the topic. Ed was into student government at school and wanted to go into law school. Roger Butch Pratt, also known as Butch, wanted to be a football player. He had been called Butch since he was little, and the name stuck. His family lived in a town just outside Pittsburgh. Butch loved being outside and playing sports. He was the first person in his family to attend and graduate from college. Butch and Ed met in the fall of 1984 at Teal College in Greenville. They were both popular and friendly. They both decided to join a fraternity in the spring of 1985, along with a few other friends. And Ed was elected as the pledge president. There were 13 members of the fraternity. They were all close, but Ed and Butch became best friends. They trusted and confided in each other. They did things off campus like hunting and sports, Ed liked guns, and Butch liked to fish. Butch even seemed to change how he dressed and focus more on studying and on his future. Butch really liked talking to women on campus, it was easy for him, but Ed had only been with a few women. He eventually seemed to have a serious girlfriend. Towards the end of their sophomore year, Ed and Butch started to talk about moving out of the frat house into an apartment together. And they did move into that apartment during their junior year. They both began, began going to the gym more to lift weights and were still active in the fraternity. But the fraternity was in debt. Butch and Ed decided to sell some electronics and give the fraternity the money that they made. However, they kept this plan between them and didn't tell their brothers. Butch and Ed broke into the fraternity house to try to help their brothers. And they broke into another fraternity house nearby. The fraternity brothers arrived back after spring break to discover that the items were missing, and the police were contacted. Butch was very nervous that the police had been called, and Ed contacted his younger brother Michael to help them get rid of the stolen items. One of the officers determined that whoever had done this had to have a pass key, which Ed did. There had been no force entry, and but at the time the police didn't have a list of the people who had a pass key, and the case went cold. During their senior year, Ed and Butch served on their student government, and Ed became the senior class president. It was during their senior year that Ed and Butch met a woman named Linda Carlin. They met at the gym that they attended. Ed started spending more time with her, and she got Ed a job at a furniture store that she managed. Linda and Ed started a romantic relationship, and Linda bought Ed things and helped with the fraternity. Ed's ex-girlfriend knew about the fraternity burglaries. Ed had broken up with her for Linda. She had told one of Ed and Butch's friends that they had stolen the items from the fraternity, and their friends stopped speaking to them and blackballed them. The police started the investigation back up and focused on Butch and Ed. No charges were brought against them. On May 15, 1988, Butch and Ed graduated from Teal College. It was then that Butch's family met Linda— and learned that she and ed were involved linda also came to them with a problem she wanted them to burn down the furniture store because she was in trouble on may 22nd 1988 the furniture store burnt down the police were called around 2 a.m and it was clear that it was arson butch and ed's names came up because they had spent time in the store butch and ed were contacted to be interviewed At first, Butch denied his involvement and was nervous. Butch was told that the police would probably be filing charges against him, and he admitted that he and Ed had committed the frat house burglaries. He was released on about $3,000 bond, and he went back to his hometown to stay with his mom. Linda was in Ed's ear talking about how they couldn't trust Butch. In May and June 1988, Ed and Linda purchased handguns from a gun dealer in Greenville. Butch decided to go away for the weekend. He packed a duffel bag and was going to visit two of his female friends in Akron, Ohio. Butch took a bus and was picked up by his friends. The friends knew about a party in a wooded area. Butch had gotten out of the car, but his friends drove away because it had all been a setup. Ed and Michael were there waiting for him. A fight broke out between them. Michael would later admit that Ed had hit Butch in the head with a gun. Ed then beat Butch with the gun after he went down. Michael also participated. He had slammed Butch's face into a piece of pipe. They handcuffed his hands and tied his feet with a necktie. They then met up with Linda, who seemed to be the mastermind. On October 5th, 1989, an informant contacted the police about a possible grave site on a farm. It was in a swampy and wet area in just inches from a stream. At first, the police didn't find anything when they dug into the area they were led to but they eventually found the body of butch pratt they found that his hands were handcuffed and his feet were tied with a necktie michael and ed had put butch's body in the car and linda knew about a farm outside of greenville and they buried butch's body butch's family had put up missing persons flyers for him when he went missing ed played dumb and moved to pennsylvania he then began to study at temple university and had broken up with linda about 18 months later, the police investigated Linda for another suspicious fire, and it was then that Linda admitted that Ed had killed Butch. Ed Swiger was convicted of murder and kidnapping. Linda Carlin was convicted of conspiracy to commit kidnapping and arson. And Michael spent 16 years in prison for involuntary manslaughter and kidnapping and was released. Ed and Linda are still in prison. I think Butch became anxious and worried that the burglary and arson would ruin his future. He knew at some point that the police would contact him and Ed. Ed also didn't want to destroy his future and would have done anything to become a lawyer and protect himself. I think Linda may have talked him into actually killing Butch, but I think Ed would have done anything to save himself. Michael should still be in prison as well, but I hope he has remorse for what he has done. They took away a brother, a son, and a friend away from his loved ones. Butch made mistakes, but he was willing to confess and deal with the consequences. My book recommendation for this week is That Night in the Woods by Christopher Triana. When Jennifer receives a message from Scott Dwyer after 20 years without contact, her first reaction is one of excitement. Scott was her first love. Now in her 40s and in the middle of a divorce, nostalgia for her youth gets the better of her. Scott invites Jennifer to his house in Redford, the town she grew up in. It's a place she's tried to put behind her, for not all childhood memories are sunny. When she accepts Scott's invite, she struggles with mixed feelings, especially when she learns of the death of Stephen Winters, one of her childhood friends. Scott invites three people from their past to honor Stephen's memory, Corey, Tracy, and Mark. But the group is more than old friends. They share a dark secret that has troubled them for decades. Now it's time to face their traumatic pasts, Together, they must unravel the mystery of what happened in the patch of forest behind Scott's house, a place once known as Suicide Woods. This book reminded me of I Know What You Did last summer. A group of friends are reunited after a tragedy. They think they are the only ones who know what happened, but they're not. I like the dynamic of the friend group. They were all once really close, but obviously their secrets tore them apart. And I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five-star rating rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. And remember, please be kind. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.